When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Still having a look at slightly favors the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Oh! First round of fixtures for the 2022 World Cup qualifying are done. Scotland sits second in the group. Denmark are looking in some shape, but we're ahead of Austria and Israel. We're in five points after three games, most recent of which was a comfortable and quite impressive 4 0 win over the Faroe Islands last night. It's me, Andy Barge, back again with Gordon Shear from the Tartan Scarf and Ben Ramage as well as usual. So let's get stuck straight into it, boys. What did you make of last night? I was pretty happy, to be fair. A, a bit of a slower start maybe than I'd thought. Uh, the goal aside, I thought the first half we struggled a little bit, especially going towards the end of the first half. Um, it was really good to get that early goal, to be fair, just kind of settled the nerves. I would have liked us to have pushed on a bit quicker, but second half, very professional, some really good finishing. I thought Tierney was excellent, McGinn was excellent. Adams was excellent. There was a lot of really positive performances uh, to take forward. And I liked the link up with Dykes and Adams as well. I thought, all in all, we couldn't have really asked for much more. Gordon, what pleased you the most? Well, obviously, we have to caveat sort of everything that we're going to say that, yes, it was a game against the Faroe Islands. Although, caveating back on myself, the Faroe Islands were never going to be as much of a sort of walk in the park as some people seemed to think, you know. I think a lot of times with international football, people have an impression of what a country's level should be that's probably based on a game that was played 15 years ago and they just assume that nothing's changed and no one's developed and no one's grown. You saw last night that the Pharaohs are a technically quite decent side. They came out, they tried to play football, they created some good chances and frankly, if they'd scored a goal, I don't think that would have been an unfair reflection on the balance of play. But having said all that, I think there was... A lot to be very, very happy about for Scotland last night. I mean, we went about our business. It was competent. We created chances. Some of the link-up play between Robertson and Tierney was excellent. I'd love to put that argument to bed forever. Um, and as Ben's saying, Shea Adams. I mean, what a man, what a player, what a touch, what a goal. I think he'll be a very special player for Scotland going forward. And look, you've got to shout out, you've got to shout out John McGinn. I mean, 10 international goals now in 32 caps. He's 
one behind Joe Jordan in the all-time records. What a player that man is. I mean, scoring a header as well. I mean, again, if we thought that a John McGinn overhead kick last week was a sign that we're living in some sort of parallel universe, a game where John McGinn and Ryan Fraser score headers, we're truly in the matrix now. Yeah, and creeping up on Faddy as well, John McGinn, he's not far off. I think it's five goals he has away now from James McFadden's yeah. record. Well, I say record, his his haul. His talent. Um, yeah, uh, yeah uh, one thing I would like to touch on in a bit more detail is Shea Adams. That Lyndon Dykes came in and did a, a really good job over the autumn, scored a couple of goals, a couple of winning goals in the, the Nations League. Uh, or no, sorry, one of... Was the one against the Czech Republic away from home? That was an equaliser, wasn't it? He scored, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And scored then he scored the winner against Slovakia. That's right. So yeah. still a couple of goals. Led the line incredibly against Serbia. But it's it's no slight on him to identify and propose that Shea Adams is a, a level above Ben. Yeah, I think so. I would I would say that they have different strengths. And that's why I really wanted to see them play together. And I think it really worked. You know, Dykes is a little bit bigger stature, maybe got a bit more physical presence. And that's why I just think it works so well. And you saw with a, a, a quite a few occasions that Dykes drew players, centre-backs out of position, which allowed space for Che to come in. And that wouldn't have happened if Adams had been playing up front by himself. So I think it worked really well. I think, as you touched on, I think technically Adams is probably better and that's why he's playing in the Premier League. You know, his touch was superb again. His movement was superb. His finish, you know, that was, it was almost arrogant, but you just love to see it the way he just rolled it just that little bit before he hit it, just to set himself perfectly. I mean, to have the confidence to do that and the, the skill to pull it off, as Gordon said, we've got a special player on our hands. And the fact that he's only 24 and still has a massive, you know, gap to progress into yeah, that's going to, that bodes so well for us going forward. But I really liked seeing the two play together and I, I actually hope that that kind of continues going forward. It was Ryan Fraser with Dykes against Israel Gordon. It, it was quite a strange one seeing the, the lineup come out from the SFA's account. It was quite hard just looking at it. If you didn't have any prior knowledge of what was going to happen, it was quite difficult to suss out where everyone was going to go within 30 seconds or a minute. Uh, McTominay obviously was back in defence and then Ryan Fraser, we realised, had been put out at right wing back. How do you feel about that out there? Yeah, it was certainly something of a surprise. Um, I did see Kieran Devlin in The Athletic sort of describing it as what someone who's a bit drunk might do in Football Manager for a laugh. You know, just throw all of your attacking players into one system. And, you know, may maybe that was Steve Clark sort of almost subtweeting the Tartan Army who have always said that, you know, this three-at-the-back system, oh, it's so defensive, it's so cautious, it's so conservative, when you've got a wing-back at left-sided centre-back, a centre-mid at right-sided centre-back, a winger at right wing-back. I mean, I don't know how much more attacking you could have got. And obviously part of that was the fact that the opposition we were up against, it was the Faroe Islands, you can afford to take some more chances against them, especially given it was the third game of the week. They certainly tired in the second half. But I thought a lot of things worked really, really well last night. You know, I thought I thought Ryan Fraser did look very, very good, even though he did admit after the game he's probably not played right wing back for about four years. But then he also said last year that he hadn't played centre forward maybe ever. So he, he also actually in his post-match touched on the fact that if that's what the manager asks you to do in this Scotland side, you'll run through a brick wall for him in that position because that's the mentality, that's the the confidence this team have got. And they all know that their places are up for grabs in the Euros in the summer. So 
players hardly going to turn around and say, oh, actually, Steve, I'm not sure I'll be very good at that. They'll say, yes, I can certainly claim that position. And that's what they all did. So you'll have to see it. Ben, we'll not repeat ourselves and break up old graves from the last podcast when we spent ages talking about the Robertson-Tierney conundrum. Um, if that gets anyone's juices flowing, you can certainly check out the previous episode. We went quite in-depth on it. Um, but a word on Keaton Tierney because he was superb last night. Yeah, absolutely. And again, he's only 23, another player that just has so much st- time in front of him to improve. Um, we did discuss the Katie Robbo sort of conundrum last time out. And to be honest, I wouldn't say they shut us up, but they certainly showed that it can work. And Robertson said in his post-match as well, you know, that he felt that that proved that they can work together. I actually thought it worked really well. And it actually throws up quite a dangerous attacking option for us in that the defence doesn't know which one of them is actually going to go forward. They both can, but often last night, Robertson was sitting and holding holding the fort, essentially, while Tierney just rampaged on. And it worked a treat. And I think we saw Tierney's you know, crossing ability just come out. Three assists from centre-back is just insane. And just his, his, whole, his all-round performances in all three games have really been special. And he is, he's such a talented player, but I really thought, OK, maybe this system really could work. Robertson and Tierney, they can almost switch positions if they need to. And that makes it so hard to mark and so hard to guess what is actually going to come next down that left wing. Gordon McTominay back in defence. Um, and also, if you've got anything you'd like to add on Tierney. Yeah, Tierney, fantastic. And I absolutely have nothing to add on that because, frankly, the Tierney-Robertson debate makes me want to... Uh, I don't know, eat a pint glass. Um, yeah, McTominay, I love him. I, I love him. He's a great player. I do love to see him in defence. I think the his, his range of passing is so great. The way that he can step up into midfield is great. I think on a more wider point, and Steve Clark actually touched on this in part of his post-match press conference, fans often obsess when it comes to formations about how many of each type of player you've got in the team, as in, oh, why are we playing with three centre-backs at home to Faroe Islands? That's so defensive, that's rubbish. But obviously what matters is how you implement the players you've got and how you implement the tactics. Because you could play with a 4-4-2, but if you can't get the ball through the midfield to those strikers, that won't be an attacking formation. You won't create chances. Last night, we played with those wing-backs, Robertson and Fraser. They were effectively able to play as winners and rampage forward and create loads and loads of chances. And that was night and day to what we saw on Sunday against Israel. So I feel like a lot of the debate around the tact, quote-unquote, tactics that we play in terms of how many defenders we have, how many midfielders, often that's a a wasted argument because it it matters how they go out and implement that on the pitch. And I thought last night was a a real perfect example of how that system can work. Let's talk about the the group overall um, briefly. I I think we can look back on the opening three games and probably say, I think fairly, that it's been a a more positive than negative start. There were definitely question marks left over the team after the opening two draws. We we were expected to beat the Faroe Islands uh, resoundingly, and we did. We met expectations, and and it was a job well done. Um, There were things we can improve on, but I'm sure that that is something that, that will come with a bit more time. The, the Danes are running away with it already. It looks like we might be chasing shadows unless we can take at least four points from them. 
in this group and hope that they don't slip up elsewhere. Gordon, is it wishful thinking that we can go on and top this group? No, no, of course not. Um, you know, we're only we're only four points behind Denmark. Our next game in the group is going to Copenhagen, which will be an absolutely massive group. I mean, those those set of three fixtures in September will very much go a long way to deciding where this group is heading. I think if we were sitting here right now and our next competitive fixture was going to be in Denmark, I think I'd be feeling a bit a bit anxious about it. A bit, are we quite ready to go there and compete and go there to win? You have to bear in mind, we're sitting here at least five fixtures away from that. We're looking at two pre-Euros friendlies. We talked last week, those are sounding like they're going to be the Dutch and the Republic of Ireland. And then at least three fixtures at the Euros. And if we get through the group, then another one. So, you know, five or six games in international football, that's half a lifetime away. I mean, honestly, who knows where this Denmark side will be in September? Who knows where this Scotland side will be in September? I mean... We've only had two and a half caps of Shea Adams so far. And look how good he was last night. Project Shea Adams five, six games in the future. It's a scary prospect. So I feel I feel positive. I feel very positive about where we are. I think this week, the only thing you can really be disappointed about is dropping points in Israel. But to look at the group right now, we're unbeaten. We're ahead of Austria. And we've actually, arguably, most importantly, we've got a six-goal six swing on Austria because they got absolutely hammered by Denmark last night. And this group is going to be so tight, it could well come down to goal difference. So if we can go to Copenhagen, take a point, or if we're going to lose, if we lose by one, we'll still actually be in a very good place going forward and through the group. Ben, do you share that optimism or are you more focused on just getting a playoff spot? No, I think so. You know, we're three games in. I don't think you can rule out. It, you, there's not. We could actually go and win in Denmark. We don't. We don't really know that. So I think it's way too early to to totally uh, write that off. Uh, it is obviously looking more likely that the playoff is going to be our way in. But as Gordon says, this team can improve over the next five six games. So you just you shouldn't. You should always try and be positive. I think and look to to try and get into that first spot. If we can't, then the playoff is obviously the next one. And from what we've seen from Austria, I think we can, if we can beat them away, that would obviously be huge. I don't think that's impossible. I think the Israel game that we've had is the one disappointment. I feel that we just weren't attacking enough in that first half. I think we've, we actually could have gone and won that game. Taking Che Adams off in the second half again was a strange one. I don't think we really chased it enough. So, that, that to me is the one regret from the opening three games, but five points instead of seven, that's it's not the end of the world. And uh, we'll see, as you alluded to, September is going to be a massive month. That's pretty much going to decide, I think, whereabouts we end up. Yeah, and as you say, September still uh, a decent distance away for things to, to materialise before then. Of course, we've got the Euros before that, impending, only a couple of months away now, incredibly. They're just creeping up on us, and every time you check your diary, you get surprised with how much closer it is. Um, so for anyone that's new to the podcast or has maybe not listened to any of the previous On The Plane episodes, what we do here, Gordon, Ben and myself, we split up the contenders to be in Steve Clark's squad into four categories. The certainties, which are classed in On The Plane, the likelihoods, which are in the departure lounge, the outsiders are waiting by the phone and then the the no-chancers are booking their own holiday. So we've been doing this since the start of the year. 
And I think now we've probably got a clearer idea of who is probably going to be there, given some of the selections uh, for the international open, uh, the World Cup openers there. So I think we'll start off at the back of the pitch as usual. Fellas, I think that Steve Clark's made it quite clear the three, who the three goalkeepers are that will be going um, to the Euros. We have discussed before about the potential or possibility of one of the younger or more inexperienced goalkeepers going, such as Robbie McCrory or Liam Kelly. But it seems that Steve Clark has made his mind up with David Marshall, Craig Gordon and John McLaughlin. Does anyone want to rip that up and offer me another name? No, certainly no no other names here. Um, and the only thing that I've added for this month is I've started putting down names that I just think are locked in the squad. I think regardless of form between now and the summer, uh, if they're fit, they're in the squad. So for me, Marshall and Gordon are locked in the squad. I would still like to just the my future gazing side, I would still like to see a younger keeper taking that third spot. I think you're right, though. I think it will be John McLaughlin. I mean, just a little shout out yesterday. I mean, Craig Gordon, uh, he had a couple of... Tiny little wobbles, the one at the start of the second half, but he did make a couple of very, very good saves. Um, and like a fine wine, he is getting, if not better with age, certainly more handsome with age. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought Gordon did do well, but, and that's exactly why he's the sort of backup keeper, um, perfectly able to step in. I would still take uh, Kelly. I, I don't really see the point in taking McLaughlin. He's never going to play. Well, just very, very unlikely that he would have that he would play. So, for me, I would take Kelly. But yeah, I think Marshall and Gordon are the the, the main two. I'm with you on that, Ben. I would take Kelly over McLaughlin, but it, it seems like the three are are cemented in Steve Clark's decision making. So, we'll move on then to the centre halves. Now, Scotland did show in Israel that there is a plan B of four at the back. I think it's evident that the 3-5-2 or the 5-3-2, whatever way you want to shape it, is certainly plan A at the moment. So I've included Scott McTominay still as a defender on the plane. I know, obviously, he did play midfield in the earlier part of the qualifiers there, but that's probably down to Ryan Jack's absence, and we'll come to him in midfield. Um, So the four names that I'll give you that I've got on the plane for centre-halves are McTominay, Hanley, Tierney and McKenna and in the departure lounge I think it's going to be one or two from Gallagher, Hendry and Cooper to join the defenders. What about you Gordon? Yeah I've got um, I've got McTominay, I've got Tierney, I've got Hanley I've also got Hendry just now just because I don't see any other backup to that right-sided centre-back position I think Hendry was fine in this past week but we don't really have many other options there. Um, I've still got Gallagher on the plane, but I wouldn't say he's locked in the squad right now. I would say he's someone that really needs to get some game time between now and the end of the season for Motherwell to really guarantee his place in there. And I've also dropped Liam Cooper down to the departure lounge um, simply because he missed out on this squad. And he's had his injury concerns. If he is back playing for Leeds between now and the end of the season, he'll be in contention, but he's dropped down the pecking order for sure. Ben, how's Liam Cooper doing with regards to you and what about the other names? Yeah, so Cooper's in the departure lounge for me as well. I think there's still a question mark over whether he's going to be back fit because let's be honest, it's only two months away. There's not an awful lot of time to get back and get fit. I don't think it's as serious an injury, so touch wood, he'll, he'll be fine. 
I've got McTominay, Tierney and Hanley on the plane. I thought Hanley's done pretty well and I think his experience, he's got so many caps. I think he's quite a, he's quite a solid choice um, to bring in. And I've got Gallagher, Hendry, McKenna, all on all in a departure lounge. I think there'll maybe be one of them, as you say, and Gallagher maybe. But again, is he going to play the games? Because there's is there not a question mark over if he plays a certain amount of games for Motherwell, he'll set he'll kick off a new contract. I think there's something about that, which is why he's been missing some games. So is he going to be fully fit? Is he going to be match sharp going into those games? I'm not sure. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. And McKenna, Clark's obviously a big fan of McKenna, so it wouldn't surprise me to see him go. Yeah. Um, Clark certainly was singing the praises of Grant Hanley. Gordon, do you think he, over the last three games, has... He's, he's probably not shut people up because I think the, peop- the, the people that criticise him are the, loudest, are the louder ones and they're harder to shut up by nature um, but do you think that he has proved the point that he had that was uh, that he had to prove yeah absolutely absolutely you know we spoke I think it was when the when the squad got announced that we had the feeling that Grant Hanley in this Steve Clark system being able to play as the central central defender with two decent ball playing and ball advancing defenders on either side of him would really play to his strengths because before when he was playing in a back four with Russell Martin that maybe didn't play to his strengths because he would often get caught out for his lack of pace. Where he plays now, all he has to focus on is his positioning, his blocking, his heading, his tackling. And those are that's meat and potatoes for, for a guy like Grant Hanley. So I think he did great. I think I did, he did really well. He did exactly what was asked of him. And I, th- I think he shot right up the, the pecking order for Scotland. And if he starts against Czech Republic in June, I would not surprise at all. Ben, feel free to come in here if you've got uh, anything on it but I'll ask Gordon uh, firstly I saw the Scots Abroad podcast guys saying that you either play Hendry at the middle of a back three or not at all but you quite like him out there on the right Yeah I've seen that to be honest I'm I'm happy to, to defer to their experience to be honest because they obviously watch a heck of a lot more of Jack Hendry playing out there and one of the things that they've said to me is that he does seem to get when Hendry gets sort of drawn out into the channels, he gets beaten a lot out there. So he, if he he can sometimes get exposed and get beaten out there. So maybe the, the sort of almost like the safe harbour of being in that central centre-back position might suit him better. But when you consider that it's Gallagher, Hen, Hanley, McKenna in that centre defence position, I don't see a place for Hendry there. I think the only option for Jack Hendry in the Scotland side is playing on the right, which is where he played against... Uh, Austria last week. Is it, his distribution, pretty, is it his distribution, Ben, that you think makes him quite a good option to play on the right? I think that's exactly why Clark brought him in, and I'm pretty sure that's what he said. You know, he was looking for a more technical, technically minded centre back, and I think the fact that you've got O'Donnell uh, right wing back as well, generally, you know, he's he's a very solid, steady, you know, safe pair of hands in that position. So that that maybe allows Hendry a little bit more. Um, freedom you know there's not quite as much pressure on him to make every exact right decision because I think O'Donnell's covering that side pretty well anyway Okay Doc well we'll move on to the full backs then I think we have we can easily lock two into the on the plane section that'll be Andy Robertson and Stephen O'Donnell no disagreements there boys 
No, nope. no, no. Agree with that. Um, and you know, part of me almost thinks now, looking at the balance of the squad, that I feel that Robertson and O'Donnell might be the only specific fullbacks that go, to be honest, because Kieran Tierney can obviously play left wing back if needed. And now we know that Ryan Fraser can play right wing back. I don't know where the justification is for filling extra slots with fullbacks that we might not necessarily need. Well, for that reason, I have dropped Greg Taylor to buy the phone from the departure lounge and I have dropped Liam Palmer to the departure lounge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we've, we've, we've spoken so many times before about just the need for, especially with limited squads, although I believe mid-April they're going to vote on potentially expanding the squad list up to 25 or 26 from 23. So that would give us more flexibility. But if it is a 23-man squad, you do need players that have got flexibility and versatility that can cover multiple positions. So with that in mind, yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you. Ben, what about your fullbacks? Yeah, exactly the same. I've got Palmer and Taylor uh, in the departure lounge. I had Hickey. I think Hickey was either departure lounge or by the phone, but I think his injury is actually going to rule him out, which is uh, it's a shame for him. But in fairness, he wasn't capped yet either. And I think we spoke about, I don't. I can't see many more uncapped players, if any, being involved yeah. now. I think we're past that stage. Even with the friendlies coming up, I can't see it. So I don't think he would have made it. Anyway, with Nathan Patterson, was it a, was it a five-match ban he's got for his COVID shenanigans? Uh, again, yeah. whatever, whatever slim chance he had, I think that's that's gone. Yeah. I, I saw uh, Barry Anderson from the, the Scotsman actually tweeting earlier that Hickey is getting shoulder surgery, which would probably end his hopes of a call-up. But Steve, but he also says Steve Clark phoned Bologna to check on him before naming his squad for these games. So, if anything, it feels like Hickey must have been at least on the cusp. Uh, and he's also said here in his tweet, Barry Anderson, that Hickey is up for giving right back a shot, which would be hmm. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there were some people that were saying that it was hype, you know, that Hickey was going to be involved. But you don't have Bayern Munich looking at you and you don't move to Syria and start playing at his age unless there's some unless you've got something about you. And Clark obviously recognises that as well. So he's definitely one for the future. It's interesting to hear that, that he was on the cusp this time around. Um, and yeah, one for the future, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Him and Nathan Patterson, as you referred, Gordon, for me at the moment, both booking a holiday, but we might come to the transitional period um, later this year or next, in which one or both of them might start getting yep. involved, depending on on the level uh, they're playing at domestically. Right, let's move into the central midfield area, the, the toughest part of the jigsaw to fit together, it seems, at the moment. Um, as we've I alluded to, we all have McTominay included in the, the defence, I think, so... The eight centre mids that I've got, or the eight midfielders that I've got on the plane are Ryan, sorry, not eight, six. The six centre mids that I've got on the plane are Ryan Jack, Callum McGregor, John McGinn, Ryan Christie, Stuart Armstrong and Kenny McLean. I've got John Fleck all the way down by the phone, where I've also got David Turnbull because I feel that if one of the attacking midfielders gets injured, such as maybe Christie, or Armstrong, I think that Turnbull will be the one that gets the call. What do you fellas reckon? 
Yeah, I, I would I would completely agree with that. Um, it's it's amazing how often sometimes you see the value of a, of a player in the fans' eyes and in the media's eyes go through the ceiling when they don't play. And no one embodies that better this week than Ryan Jack. I think we massively missed him in the central midfield. I think we've spoken at length about the gifting of shots and chances and crosses in acres of space outside our box. That's exactly the sort of places you would like to think Ryan Jack would be. So, yes, Jack, McGregor, McGinn, Christie, Armstrong, those are all my guys who are on the plane. And for me, they're locked in. If they're fit, they're in the squad. McLean is just one of those guys that I appreciate he's been in squads. He gets on, he plays a couple of games, but I'm never massively blown away by him to the point of thinking he has to be in the squad. So for me, he's by the he's in, in the departure lounge where he's alongside David Turnbull, as you said. You've got Turnbull all the way up in the departure lounge. I do, I do, because I think I'm I'm in I'm in agreement with you that I think he must have been very, very much on the cusp of getting in this squad. And I think if someone like Ryan Christie were to be injured and not be able to be in the squad, it's a no-brainer to take his club teammate uh, who's playing at such a high level this season. What about John Fleck? If Jack's in the squad, you don't need him. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you need him, especially given the, the season Sheffield United have had. Um, okay, Ben, talk to us. Yeah, I've got McLean and Fleck in the departure lounge. I think they're kind of, we'll wait and see what happens with other midfielders, but I totally agree. Jack, McGregor, McGinn, Christy Armstrong, all on the plane. I've got Turnbull by the phone, but again, that could quite quickly be bumped up to on the plane, depending on injuries. Um, he's had a superb season. We've waxed lyrical about him for years, you know, he is he is the future of our midfield. It, this might just come a little bit too soon, given the squad size. But I would, you know, I would have no qualms with him coming in should one of the more experienced players get injured. For me, I have Gilmore and Gold both booking holidays. I don't think, I, I think it would take at least three or four of the normal midfield cavalry to pull out before they are involved. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I've got Golden Gil and Gilmore by the phone, but again, that's as you say. If if the midfield was decimated by injury, pray that doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay, strikers. It gets interesting here. There's probably only going to be three, maybe four spots, depending on how Clark divvies up the squad with fullbacks and centre backs and whatnot. It's all changed since the last time we recorded one of these because Shea Adams was not a Scotland player. And um, I would be astonished if you two haven't got him locked in on the plane. Oh, he's on the plane. You know he's it, the new pilot. You know <laughs> <laughs> honestly, he's, uh, he's, he's dishing out the in-flight snacks. Um, well, do you know, honestly, I must say, I, I had absolute faith and total confidence that Shea Adams would be such a sensational player for Scotland that I did go and buy a Southampton shirt for 15 quid that I now feel a bit less silly for buying, given that he's been as brilliant as I thought he was going to be. And actually, um, Andy, you're in, one of your colleagues at Clyde, Andrew McLean, tweeted a phenomenal stat saying, Scotland with Shea Adams on the pitch in this international break, seven goals in 171 minutes. Scotland without Shea Adams on the pitch at this international break, zero goals in 99 minutes. Appreciate small sample size, etc. whatever, but come on. Yeah, the evidence, the, party bus. <laughs> the, the evidence is there to back up his impact, absolutely. 
Uh, even uh, in Israel as well, especially when we went to, in the second half before he gets subbed off, it was it was brilliant up front, uh, and his assist for Ryan Fraser was was great. Um, yep. So, yep, he's on the plane for all of us. Is Ryan Fraser there as a striker as well for you guys? One hundred percent. He he has shown for me not just in these in these games, but the last couple of years that he is phenomenal for Scotland. He's one of these players that loves international football and you can't, you can't turn a blind eye to that. Um, I think he's so dangerous. He's probably the quickest player in the squad, which defences hate and his finishing's good. His crossing is mixed, but yeah, for me, he's on the plate. His, heading, his heading's quite good as well, to be fair. <laughs> for, for a man his size is pretty five impressive foot four, five foot four he, winning a he was as surprised as anyone when he headed that one <laughs> the opposite yeah. the opposite of the old good feet for a big man it's good head for a small man <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I think the thing the thing I love about Ryan Fraser and you, you just alluded to it there Ben is that you listen to his post-match interviews and you just you're filled with this feeling that this is a guy who loves every second he's playing for Scotland if, it's, if he's on the training pitch for Scotland, if he's in the hotel for Scotland, if he's in the toilet for Scotland, I mean, he is just loving every single second of being a Scotland player. And that's what you love. That's what you want to see. And the fact he's a fantastic player into the bargain is just, just brilliant as well. So for me on the plane, and again, locked in, in the squad, if fit, is Adams, Dykes and Fraser. Because Dykes, even though he didn't score in this break, I think he did a massive amount of work. I think the the combination play you started to see last night with Shea Adams, when it was often it was Dykes who was the one that was dropping deep to take the first contact from a long ball, winning the flick on and bring, bringing in Shea Adams. I think that shows a lot of promise. I think as well, you know, John McGinn does not score his header if, uh, if Lyndon Dykes hasn't made that run to the front post and has dragged their six foot six centre back to the front post that opens up the space behind him for McGinn to score. So, even though Dykes didn't score, he maybe didn't get an assist, he did a huge amount of work this week that created goals. So I think he deserves a lot of praise for that and recognition. So, yeah, locked in. Yeah, Dykes is, you can rely on him for a graft. And and I spoke about this, I keep going back to it. He's not in the same level, but I was blown away with Zuba when we played Russia and just his ability to make life difficult uh, and occupy the defenders. And if he can do that, uh, and allow Adams and Fraser or whoever it is to to do what they're good at, then superb. Yeah, 100%. that's exactly why it works. You saw that with Fraser playing off him as well. It just it just it just draws the centre backs away, and it just gives them that little bit of space. And yeah. you can yeah. see what Adams can do when he has space, and what Fraser can do when he has that little yard of space. So I think that's really promising going forward. And I think he's hard as well. It's always nice to have like, a hard <laughs> yeah. striker. Yeah. He's just a big platinum blonde battering ram that yeah. <laughs> mashes defences apart and lets our little technical guys jink in and score goals. Okay, so you can just imagine him dyeing his hair in the sink. Maybe he doesn't look quite as hard. <laughs> it would, would, not, than... would not surprise me if in the Czech Republic game he came out with a soul tyre on his head. Yeah. Oh, I'd love that. I wonder if you could get odds on that. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, so we've got those three locked in. We're all in agreement with that. Dykes, Adams, Fraser. At the most, there's going to be probably only one more spot for one of the strikers, okay? Let me read the yeah. contenders out to you. 
I won't say where I've put them um, yet, okay? But pick one name from this list of seven who can go, okay? McBurney, Ollie Burke, James Forrest, Kevin Nisbet, Callum Patterson, Lauren Shankland, Lee Griffiths. So I think for me, I've still actually got a space open in the midfield positions, and that's maybe where I'd think about putting James Forrest if he can get a good run of games and get some form under his belt because we saw in this group that he's not a centre mid, though. No, he's not. You're right. He's not. He's not. <sighs> he's not going to play in that three. No, he isn't. So he's going as a forward. I suppose he can also maybe play a right wing back. I think he could maybe be the utility man. Yeah, that 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 I, I, might be the saving grace for Forrest, maybe. Yeah, well, un- unless of course we're thinking then that we move to Plan B and you go to what you saw in the second half in Israel, but it's four at the back and you're looking for you're looking for wide players. And the squad that we had in this week had very very few natural wide players. I think really, I don't, I can't really pick a name out of those seven to be honest. I think what it would come, do it. What it would I'm come forcing down to, you to do it. <laughs> Um, what it what it will come down to is the form of these players between now and then. Because striker, there's no better position for a form player, for a confidence player than centre forward. So whoever scores the most goals between now and June will be in. If I'm picking right now, get off the fence. <laughs> Shankland, go with that. Okay, Bob. Ben, let's hear what you've got to say about those boys, and Forrest in particular. Because Celtic Celtic have five league games, and if they have a Scottish Cup run, that's probably another four games, isn't it, on top of that? So nine or ten games, plus the pre-Euro friendlies for Forrest to get up to speed. He's fit again for Celtic. Is that enough? Two months, ten games, probably enough to, to get in ship shape for a tournament? I would say so. And He's so experienced, and to be honest, I maybe underestimated his impact for Celtic until you actually take him out of that team and you realise how much they struggle without him. You know, he he is a phenomenal winger when he's on form. And for that reason, I would probably take him as a, as a sub. I wouldn't be starting him. But if we're one or two down and we need someone to get in behind the defence or get past the wing back, then he is a man to look to. In terms of the striker, for me, it's Griffiths. Again, that depends on how much he plays for Celtic over the next month or two. But if he scores four or five in the next month, then I would not hesitate to put him on because, again, he's not going to start. But if you're looking for someone to come on and score against England, score against Croatia in the dying moments, for me, if there's a chance, I want it to fall to Griffiths. I don't want it to fall to McBurney. Shankland, I do like. But again, for me, Griffiths has more international experience and for me, he is a lethal striker when he's on form. So my my real hope is that he gets some goals for Celtic in the next few months. Uh, I actually have Griffiths and Shankland as booking a holiday. Your two choices. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's that's not... You like Griffiths as well. I do. I'm a big fan of Griffiths. I just think that the ship has sailed for him this season. I had a, he had a wee burst. Um, I think at some point, but I, I can't see him getting to a, a stage of form that he breaks into Clark's plans. I hope I'm proved wrong. You've got Burke, don't you? 
I've got Burke there, and it's not. Yep. It's, not <laughs> it's not. I've got Burke on the de- in the departure lounge, and it's not strictly what I would do, but I, it's what I expect from. Uh, but this this isn't this isn't Clark's plane. This is your plane. What do you want? If, okay, if if it was up to me, uh, if, okay, if we're going down that route, uh, I would have. Uh, yeah, I would have Griffiths. I would have Griffiths. Yeah, of them. Look, uh, just because, just because, just 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 because your big time barge friends say that Ollie Burke's going to be in the Scotland squad, you know, you don't have to agree with them. You know, <laughs> just because they're famous, successful footballers. I've, I've tried to. I've this tried is to, our play. I've tried to take them on with it, and they're, they're, convinced, <laughs> they're convinced that he's going to be there. Uh, I I do what I I do. I, I'm losing, and we, we fought his corner a lot. I'm losing faith with McBurney. I, I'm not sure what. Uh, what he's done that warrants a place in the, at the finals. Yeah, he he's a very talented striker, you know, and he, you don't play at that level if you don't have talent. The issue is I don't think he's going to improve enough between now and the Euros, and I, I wouldn't have faith in putting him into a massive game against Croatia or England to go and win the game. I think he's perfectly competent, but if you're if you're coming on as a sub to try and win us a game, that is not the player that I'm looking to do that. I don't think it will be Callum Patterson because I think that you've got Dykes for that sort of cavalier sort of guy. Um, Forrest, you know, if if somebody like Greg Taylor doesn't make it, that or Liam Palmer, that spot could maybe be utilised by an extra wide man like Forrest. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. If he's yeah. again. Um, I, I the Burke thing. I hope it doesn't happen because I don't really think he's good enough but I think it could be a straight shootout between Nisbet and Shankland. Whoever from now to the end of the season goes on a streak, I don't, and Ben, I don't see it being Griffiths, I don't think he's going to get the game time to be honest and I think that it could be between Nisbet and Shankland if one of them goes and scores another five goals between now and June, I think it could be whichever one it is that, that gets in Well Nisbet's scoring hasn't has not been what it was at the start of the season and they're also in the top six so they're going to be playing Celtic Rangers Aberdeen I'm not not convinced he's going to score that many goals before the end of the season Shankland on the other hand is playing against the bottom six for Dundee United who have finally started passing the ball a bit he's actually getting a few chances United will be playing in, in dead rubbers really I suppose with Hibs having something to aim for and fight for that might spur them on maybe who knows potentially um, yeah, um, but, but I think Franklin's got a better chance of getting four or five between the end of the season, and he has already scored for Scotland. So he, I wouldn't rule him out. So we've we've said who our preference would be. We've got two in Griffith's corner. Gordon, you would like Shankland as the fourth option up front. Who do you expect it to be from the names that I've mentioned? So that's Burke, Forrest, McBurney, Patterson, Nisbet, Shankland, Griff. If there's one that goes, who do you think it will be? I think I, I think if you're picking one, I think it would. I think it's James Forrest because I think you know, 35 caps for Scotland can play wide, can play right wing back. I think that level of experience will be worthwhile because when it comes to selecting players for international fixtures, I always think that it comes down to two things. It comes down to how much money in the bank do you have in terms of your performances for the country, and then what's your form like at club level, and all those other names you just mentioned don't really have any money money in the bank in terms of their international performances. I mean, people talk about Lee Griffiths going against England. That was almost four years ago. That was a very long time ago now. Which is and 
yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But and so then you look at club form, and again, none of them are really carrying massive amounts of club form right now. Obviously, that can change between now and June. So, yeah, Mr. Money in the Bank, I'm I'm saying James Forrest. Okay, Ben, you team Forrest. If there is a if if there's an expectation on that. Yeah, I would I would say that I think Forrest would go probably more as a a white man or a sort of utility fullback. I, I I think there'll be another an, another striker. Um, you know, if you imagine if Dykes was to get injured, obviously hope not in the first game. You know, we we need another out and out striker in that squad. I know Adams could play that role, but I think you're going to need another another number nine that can really go out and play that role. So. We'll see. Burke maybe might get that nod because he's very, very fast and he can he's quite versatile. He could maybe play that role as well. I think one thing is clear. We better hope that Shea Adams stays fit. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone is going to score against England, I mean, that story is written in the stars. Adams scoring the winner at Wembley. Oh, my God. If if there was honestly the if there was one player that I want to score the winner at Wembley, it's McBurney. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the reaction. <laughs> um, okay, let, let's move on to an interesting point that was raised on the Twitter by Kev, Kevin Wilson. Um, he's asked about the transitional period and when we might see that start to happen. Um, players that will probably be moved on at some point. We know Clark's a loyal manager, but that can't last until all these players are into their 30s or whatever. So he's asking about the likes of Considine, who we've not even mentioned, is, is going to be out of the picture for the Euros, I assume. But people like Considine, Palmer, Fleck, Kenny McLean as well, uh, and the keepers, um, when we might see them fade out, and the people like Gilmore, uh, Hickey, David Turnbull brought in, that sort of thing. Do you expect this to happen after the Euros, when we're still in the midst of a qualifying group, or could it well be into next year and beyond? My guess would be into next year because the games, as we've touched on in September, are so important. I don't think it's the right time to rip up what you've got and to start again. I mean, it might depend a bit on how we do at the Euros. If we get smashed in all three games, then there may well be a call for it, more of a call for it. But we don't know how the Euros is going to go yet. If we were to get through the group, which would be a success in my eyes, then I would find it quite harsh to drop players out of that squad for Denmark, which is just an absolutely monumental game. So for me, I would imagine that because we're kind of in the middle of the other campaign, the World Cup campaign, I don't think there's going to be a massive turnaround. Gordon, do you think it might be quite a slow process then? Maybe Palmer... He could well be a, an English League One player next year at, at this rate with uh, Wednesday. I think they're still doing rubbish. Um, so do you think it might be the case that maybe Palmer will phase out and we'll see Hickey or Patterson come in? Maybe John Fleck will take a turn out the squad and it will be Gilmore that comes in or Turnbull. It will maybe be done in ones or twos rather than just making six or seven changes at once and then and bringing in, and here's Porteous, another name that's mentioned. Yeah, I think that's certainly always sort of been the way that Steve Clark has approached squad building since he became Scotland manager is that every time a squad is named, there's maybe one, two, three names out and one, two, three names back in again. So I think the the evolution has happened 
incrementally. You know, I mean, Charlie Mulgrew started quite a few of uh, Steve Clark's early games and he's not been in a squad for quite a long time now. I, I think, though, realistically, you look at the look at the age breakdown of the squad that we've got and, you know, there's only actually, in this last squad, there's only one outfield player over the age of 30 and that's Andrew Constantine, who, as you said, you'd expect to probably phase his way out. So I certainly don't think that this isn't a kind of end era Craig Brown team where massive surgery is required because we've held on to the same starting 11 for longer than we maybe should have. So there's nothing drastic required. And of course, bear in mind when it comes to September, it's a triple header. So we're going to have a bigger squad again. You're also looking at in between the two massive away games in Denmark and Austria, you've got a home game against Moldova, which, you know, given Moldova's results so far, you can't really ask for a more comfortable landing pad for players into international football then. So Maybe that's the kind of game that a Billy Gilmore or a Nathan Patterson can be, a David Turnbull can be making their debut in a fairly safe, comfortable environment. So I, I, th- I think it might still take a little bit longer. Obviously, naturally, you know, the Euros were supposed to finish and then we go into Nations League and then we go into World Cup qualifying. That would have been the perfect time to start a kind of a changing of the guard, almost, as we said, we're coming out of the Euros back into the middle of a World Cup qualifying campaign. So it, it will be incremental, but I think that's Steve Clark's way anyway. I don't think he would have it any other way. Brilliant. Right. Well, what we'll do then, I think, is revisit this at the end of the month. The squads will be getting announced mid-May, probably. Maybe uh, third week in May, something like that. Probably, yeah. Right, right towards the end of the Scottish season, I'd imagine. Yeah. Well, I, I can't imagine for a second that the 17 players or 17, 18 players that we've all listed as on the plane will all be fit come the end of May, or at the end of April, sorry. So there may have to be um, a wee bit of rejigging here and there and the ideals that we've put together. So yeah, I'm let's... blaming you now. If McGinn gets injured, I'm blaming you. <laughs> Shea Adams. Shea Adams. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm going straight on Amazon and I'm ordering some bubble wrap and I'm sending it to Southampton <laughs> to just wrap the young man in every day of the week because <laughs> we're going to need him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's quite a funny idea, actually, Gordon. I'm pretty sure you'd get a few RTs for that. Yep. <laughs> right, okay, boys. Cheers. Cheers, man. Brilliant. Cheers, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.